Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, as always. Joining me, as uh, per usual, uh, from the Pacific Northwest, is my other co-host, Mark A. Johnston, who, if you're watching us on Twitch, is going to be completely silent today. But if you are listening to us, you're going to hear him in all his grandeur. Mark, how you doing? I am just happy to be here. I've been doing my research. I got some fun stuff to talk about. And you, of course, do because you always do. I'm ready to rumble. I got some baseball history in my brain. I'm ready to share it. Yeah, we've got some stuff. Uh, We're going to talk about whatever your topic is today. But you are right. I do have a bunch of stuff to get to before we get to that. We also have Wax Packs Heroes today, which is going to be very, very exciting because we're doing something we haven't done before. We are going to be opening a pack, two packs of cards that were actually produced in this century, which is an oddity for us. But I got some uh, 2008 Upper Deck packs here. So that's going to be exciting. So we're going to get some players we haven't had before. Yeah, I, I hope I know who they all are. I think you'll probably know who most mm. of them are. But before we do that, let's get into uh, our regular BP segment and warm up before we get too deep into this stuff. Mark, I am sure you, like I have, have been watching a ton of baseball this year because that's basically what we do. And basically, we're texting each other all night talking about the games we're watching. So, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. No, I've, I've been watching plenty of baseball. I, I worked yesterday at the Mariners. It uh, was not a fun game. Um, you know, if you if my motto is if you're going to lose, lose fast. OK, I just want to get out of there for well, lose. Yeah. See, I didn't work a game, but I watched the A's game yesterday and I turned it off after the second inning. So I want to mention some things, though, that I have noticed and I want to see if you've noticed them and maybe you have some other things that I've noticed this year seem to be happening more than it has in other years. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them I tweeted about this earlier in the week is. Uh, announcers are using a phrase, which I'm familiar with this phrase. It's an old school phrase, so I'm all about having people use it. I hear a lot of guys saying, oh, and he spit on that pitch, meaning he didn't take or he he took it. He didn't didn't swing at it. He looked at it It as a kind of a good take. And I love that phrase. And I'm so glad that it's coming back into vogue (laughs) right now. That's awesome. Another thing I've noticed is a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of hit by pitchers in general so far this year. I, I think it seems to be up a little bit higher than usual. But have you noticed how many guys are getting hit on the back leg or on the back foot, which is yeah, odd? I, I have. It's weird, right? It's like um, they're generally not fastballs or breaking pitches. It'll hit them in the foot. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just don't recall seeing this many guys getting hit on that back foot. With, a, with no. a pitch. But beyond that, it's happened twice in the last week. Guys have swung at pitches and then got hit by them, which is a strike because you, you swung at it. But right. that is not something you see very often. I saw it twice this week. So it's just another kind of weird thing I've noticed a lot. I saw this. I saw that this week, too. And somebody swung and missed. The ball hit him and it was like, oh, tough luck, man. That was yeah. not only strike three, you're in pain. <laughs> yeah. Got, I think it was the Red Sox. They, it was Dawback or somebody got hit in the upper thigh. And I'm like, ooh, that's close to where you don't want to get hit. <laughs> and not get a base if you do get hit there. Yeah. Those are just my observations from the first couple of weeks. First month, I guess. Wow, we're a whole month into the season already. But uh, anybody wow. else says anything, let us know. Send them to us. We'll, we'll talk about them. 
We've talked about Howard Johnson and his uh, his rib eating crown that he won, the belt yes. that he won. It's noted on the back of one of his baseball cards. We've talked about this before. I got a little bit of more information on it this week, which is very oh, exciting. Nice. First of all, the place where he won this rib belt is awesome because it's owned okay. by none other than Rusty Staub, LeGrand oh, Orange. Sweet. So it was uh, Rusty yeah. Staub's Rib Emporium, which is nice. just great in the first place. I would go there. I would make it a point to go there. <laughs> I would too. He ate 36 <laughs> ribs in three minutes. And he shared this title with a player from the New York Jets, the football team, Rocky Cleaver, which, first of all, if your last name's Cleaver, you better be a linebacker and you better be, <laughs> you better lay some hits out there. Yeah. He grew up tough and yeah. he grew up mean like a boy named Sue. I think the coolest thing, I mean, 36 ribs in three minutes is impressive, but Rusty Staub's rib emporium is what really, <laughs> really made me uh, get excited about that information. That's cool, but do you realize 36 ribs in three minutes, 12 a minute? So he's doing five seconds per rib? I, it's got to be, you know how the competitive eaters eat chicken wings, where they take it and they just put it all in their mouth and they pull it out, and then it's just bone left? That had to have been kind of the situation. Yeah, I hope so, because that's pretty impressive. Maybe he ate the bones and all. Who knows with that guy? I found a, I found a cool website this week. Uh, it is the Mustaches and Baseball blog. I will, uh, I'll put a, a link in the show notes, obviously, we always do, but it has 50 different pictures of baseball players with good mustaches, obviously, and they've given them all different names. He's ranked them as well, but he's given each mustache a name, <laughs> uh, as well as, you know, a little description of it and the player itself. Now, first of all, I... Fast forwarded it to number one, because I, I don't know for you, who, who has the greatest mustache in baseball history? Um, really fingers. That, that was what I was thinking. He was number three. Really? Yeah. Which was which was shocking to me. Uh, number one. And this was even more shocking. He ranked Wade Boggs as having the best mustache in baseball history. OK, Wade Boggs has a nice mustache, but come on. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he, you know, maybe top 10, but uh, definitely sure. not number one. It's a great website, though. Please, you know, I'll, I'll put the link, like I said, in show notes. Go check it out. You can spend 10, 15 minutes there looking at it. It's, it's, it's well worth it. Saw a great stat about our boy Jamie Moyer. My, my favorite one that we've talked about is that he wore in his final season a throwback jersey that he actually wore in his rookie season which tells you how wow. long he pitched. But he did something that he's done more. I think he's done a lot of these things that more than any other major league pitcher, though, he pitched in 50 different ballparks. That is wow. a lot of mounds that he that he took during Man, his I career. guess. It's a, it's a lot. Um, That's amazing. Jeez. We talked last week about short names. Yes. I don't remember how we got on on Mel Ott, but I ask, was that the shortest name in baseball history? And we got some answers. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, we've got we got several answers. And I found one that nobody gave us a couple of names that were given to us. First of all, let's thank our listener uh, on Twitter at Andrew S. Harner one. He sent a, in a bunch of them. First, his first answer was Ed Ott, 
who is not related to Mel, Ooh. but is minus one letter. So yes. ding, ding right there. Uh, he also sent us a couple that are th- that are six. Uh, we're looking for five or less. But Ron Say, the penguin. Yeah. Lee May. Who I remember I remember him on the Orioles more than anything. And John Jay. Who oh, yeah. He's been on. He's, he's a contemporary, just very contemporary player. You know, Ron Say and I uh, graduated from the same high school. I know. Ron- I know it's going to shock people to say that I graduated. And I found out something else. Ron Say had a disease where his where his shins were much shorter than normal. And so he ran funny. And Tommy Lasorda is the one that gave him the nickname the Penguin because he kind of waddled instead of run. But didn't affect yeah. him. Good career. Here is a name that nobody sent us that uh, that I did want to talk about was Ed Hug. <laughs> you remember Ed Hug? I'm going to I'm going to pull I him don't. up here. <laughs> I'm going to pull him up here uh, if you're watching us. Ed Hug appeared in one game in 1903. Uh, it was for the uh, Brooklyn Superbus. We we've talked about the Superbus. One plate appearance and he walked. That is it. That is his whole major league career. Wow. Yeah, he didn't play long in the minors either. <laughs> he just not not he wasn't up for very long, but Ed Hug Along with Ed Ott, let's look at Ed Ott's numbers. He was on the 1979 World Series team with the Pirates. He played his entire eight years with the Bucks. You know, not bad. He was a catcher. Maybe their primary catcher for four years. No relation to Mel, but there is Ed Ott. And uh, he was drafted by the Pirates. Yeah, spent his whole career there. So thank you, uh, everybody, for that, for sending those in. I, I'm not sure we're going to beat that. I, I think Ed Ott and Ed Hug are as, as low as we're going to go. Ed Hug, by the way, a little uh, history on him. Very patient hitter. <laughs> he walked 100% of the time of his career. Exactly. I f- oh, I did find one. One other player, actually, that's got three letters total. Uh, Mr. T. Oh. <laughs> Okay, but is he a ball player? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he ever actually appeared. Yeah. But, uh, this is the part of the show where we usually will do debuts. And this show is debuting on May 4th. You know what hey, May 4th Star Wars is? Day. Star Wars Day. So I thought we we're going to do something a little different. Uh, there, first, there was nobody of, that really, really jumped out at me that we needed to talk about debuts. So I decided, Mark, to recycle some things that you and I did at, a, at the ballpark a couple of years ago. And we're <laughs> going to do some Star Wars baseball names. I, I got a couple here. The first two, I don't even think you really even need to change them. Juan Soto, first of all, just kind of sounds like a Star yeah. Wars name because it sounds like Han Solo. Um, and then there's Ryan Braun Solo. And I think Ryan Braun actually has a bobblehead that is of him. As, as Han Solo, which is pretty cool. Nice. So these are a couple of others. Uh, you and I had a whole bunch of Mariner ones when we did this, so I've got one yes. or two of them in here, but I came up with Captain Phasma Sui, <laughs> or Kazmat Sui. Yes. Darth Maul. I've got Paul Darth Maul O'Neill. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. Qui-Gon Jin Tomi. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. A little stretch there. Uh, Dexter Fowler Jester. Everybody's oh. favorite uh, cafe owner in the prequels. Yes. The guy with all the arms. Yes. 
so BB-8, we had a good one. We had BB-8 Oki for Nori Aoki, but he's not around anymore. So I said BB Nate Carnes. Oh, that's good. Huh? Yeah, I'm thinking these through. Uh, we've got yeah. Grand Admiral Sean Green as opposed to Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, Tebow Jackson as Tebow, the Ewok. Tebow. That's sure. an easy one. <laughs> this 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 might be my favorite one. Cy Young Snoodles. <laughs> Cy Snoodles, absolutely Cy Snoodles, a great yeah. musician from the Star Wars franchise. Great musician. And then my final one was Luke Skywalker Bueller. Very nice. Yeah, that was an easy one. But <laughs> you know, I've been trying to think of one for Boba Shet, and I can't come yeah. up with anything. <laughs> it's a, that is a tough one. And if anybody can come up with a Star Wars name for Boba Shet, <laughs> let us know. We'll we'll. We'll mention it whenever we get that. <laughs> We're stumped. Stumped. <laughs> I do want to talk about something. Uh, one of our Twitter followers sent us uh, a DM at Andrew. Oh, it's Andrew again. <laughs> so uh, Andrew, who earlier had uh, given us some of those short names, also sent us some pictures. He got some great bobbleheads. Uh, we had talked about bobbleheads a while ago. He got a CC Sabathia and a Sinshu Chu bobblehead. In disco garb, I guess is the best way to describe this. Nice. Now, uh, were these, I guess these two must have been teammates in Cleveland at one point. This must be where these are from. Okay. CeCe Sabathia has got the old uh, disco fever pose with a finger pointing up and a nice vest and an afro. And then Sinshu Chu has got a really nice, he could, he could actually be, straight out of uh, Miami Vice. He's got a nice white <laughs> vest or a jacket and coat on, but very nice. Thank you for that. Uh, that's Those are some good looks. Mark, you ready for your trivia question? I asked you one last week. Let's see if you've got an answer. Right. Okay, so last week I asked you to name the pitcher with the best ever winning percentage against the New York Yankees with a minimum of 20 decisions. Now, I thought this was going to be, I thought somebody would come up with this answer, but nobody came up with the correct answer. Do you have any, any idea? I tried to think of uh, AL East teams and pitchers and so on. And I wasn't arriving at anybody that had that much of a standout. I was going to say Pedro. Pedro was 11 and 11. Okay. That's all I got, man. That's all I got. Yeah. I thought Pedro too, but I think he dominated them more in the playoffs than he did in the regular season. But um, yeah, we got, we got nobody came up with what I thought was going to be everybody's kind of first guess. The answer is Babe Ruth. Oh, wow. Yeah. What? Yeah. Babe Ruth went 17 and five against the Yankees before being traded. That's a winning percentage of 773. I would not have come up with that. And I understand why nobody did. I just thought, you know, most people know he was a really good pitcher beforehand. We kind of like to throw a twist in these in these questions. So I thought maybe. But uh, there was a couple of uh, we did get some some responses. Uh, we got a couple of Walter Johnson's. It's a good answer. Walter Johnson went 61 and 38, which, hey, that you can't spit on that. Nothing wrong with that. Cycle back to something else we said. But that's a 616 winning percentage. Uh, our buddy Chris from St. Louis sent us Nolan Ryan. And when I was thinking of this, I know Nolan Ryan spent a good 
chunk of his career in Houston. Not a good chunk, but a decent chunk. So there right. would have been no Yankees there. Uh, Nolan Ryan went 13 and eight. Again, nothing to nothing to spit at. That's a 619 mark. But the answer was Babe Ruth with a 17 and five mark. Yeah, he wasn't on my uh, top 400 list. <laughs> All right. I got a new question for you. And this one, I'm, I'm interested to see. I have no idea if this is easy or not. Who was the last Major League Baseball player to have the same last name as the city they were born in? <laughs> wow. I, um, I think there was a player named uh, Tony Carson City. <laughs> I don't, man, that's a good one. I, I, that's very off kilter. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of countries like uh, Mark Portugal, but we're looking for sure. a city. So the person's last name and the city that he was born in need to be the same. So uh, I'm going to yeah, I'm going to let everybody uh, ruminate on that for a week, and uh, let's see if anybody uh, has any answers for us. If you do, hit us up with a with a DM in uh, Twitter or Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at TW at TWO Strike Noise, and uh, we'll see if anybody comes up with anything. Mark, let's let the ground screw come out and do their stuff, and uh, why don't you go ahead and take it over? It's uh, it's your week this week. Since you've already brought up spit a couple of times, (laughs) and uh, with the recent um, trouble of Trevor Bauer uh, coming out and admitting, yes, I use pine tar and uh, all that fun stuff. I thought maybe I'd talk a little bit about doctoring the baseball. Okay. I did a little research. Um, some other names for, uh, for the, actually, I'm going to talk about the spitball first. Other names are, of course, the spitter, the shine ball, the Vaseline ball, or the mud ball. Now, have you ever wondered why the spitball works so well? I have. Because I have too. So I did a little research, and uh, as you know, I'm a master of physics. <laughs> Some got caught in my throat there. Um, yeah, really good at physics. And uh, here's what happens. Here's what goes on. If you have some kind of slick substance on there, like Vaseline or something like that, you can actually throw the ball just as hard but with less spin because it slides off of your hand instead of sticking to it. So it actually has very little spin if you throw it right. And so it acts like a fastball, but moves like a knuckleball. So it's, uh, it, that's what makes it a crazy and, and excellent pitch for getting outs. I, uh, I did some little looking into Ed Walsh, Ed Walsh, hall of famer. Ed Walsh is, uh, responsible for popularizing the spitball, the shine ball. He was one of the best pitchers ever. And from 1906 to 1912, he was amazing. Yeah. A couple of standout things about Ed is uh, that he actually won 40 games for the White Sox in 1908. What gets him into the Hall of Fame, I think, is he's got the lowest lifetime earn run average. So career earn run average for Ed Walsh, 1.82. Here's a weird thing. He only won 195 games over the course of his career. Uh, that's because of injuries. He went from throwing 368 innings uh, in 1911 Back in 08, he won 40 games by throwing 464 innings. Well, then he got hurt, dropped off to 97 innings, 44, 27, and eventually retired um, just because he couldn't get it done anymore. But Ed Walsh, 14-year career, including an incredibly dominant period, thanks to, in part, 
the spitball. Now, Jeff, do you want to take a guess at why the spitball was outlawed? Uh, beyond hygiene? Beyond hygiene. That's a good guess. I thought of that, too. All right. Then uh, you tell me. Well, it's something that's very, very similar to some things we hear today. You see, the owners, they wanted more offense. They wanted more home runs. Does that sound familiar at all? Uh, it does. Ty Cobb actually commented on the outlawing of what he called freak pitches. And he said freak pitches were outlawed when the owners greedily sold out to home runs. Nobody says it like Tyrus Raymond Cobb. A few famous pitchers who used the slick type of doctoring were uh, Preacher Rowe. And he was, uh, he was a Brooklyn Dodger. And one year after he retired in 1954, he actually came out to Sports Illustrated and said, yeah, I threw this, what he called a beech nut slider. So he would chew beech nut gum and use that to doctor up the ball. Here's a great quote from him. He said, uh, one way I figured to keep my fingers clean was to wipe them on the visor of my baseball cap. It looked like I was adjusting it on my head. I always made certain the visor was kept clean. I even went to the trouble of brushing it off with a towel on the bench between innings. It didn't take long for some of the hitters to figure there was something going on. That was just fine with me. I started using the hat gesture as a decoy. It was as good as the pitch itself. From then on, even when I wasn't going to throw a wet one, I'd go to cap just to cross them up. That sounds a lot like uh, like Gaylord Perry. He used to do it's that. Exactly. He would do that whole thing where he would touch his chest, touch the tip of his hat, touch his ear, pull his, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then was something and on just it or throw, not. Throw a normal fastball. <laughs> right. And, and I, I actually have a little bit about Gaylord Perry here. I'll just jump to it. Uh, Gaylord uh, won 314 games and struck out 3,534 batters, which is still eighth of all time. He said uh, it was just pretty much a pre-pitch ritual. He would do, you know, touch the cap, touch parts of his uniform. There's some videos of it out there that are pretty hilarious. Peter Gammons, the guru, wrote, uh, Perry had admitted to having used KY jelly, Vaseline saliva, fishing line wax, resin, sweat, and dirt to make baseballs do peculiar things. Gaylor Perry's catcher was Dave Duncan. I know oh, you've heard of him. Yeah, he was uh, and, uh, Duncan, and, and Cardinals coach with Larissa. Yeah. He had, here's a quote from Dave Duncan. He said uh, he had a great sinker and just kept up his act, fidgeting on the mound to make hitters believe he was loading up the ball. So they focused on trying to catch him cheating instead of concentrating on how he was pitching them. Pretty brilliant, just like you were saying. It's just as bad to scare him or to make him think it as it is to actually throw it. You know how many times Gaylord Perry was caught throwing a ball with an illegal substance in his career? Probably never. <laughs> one. One time. <laughs> Once. That's pretty hilarious. And uh, a little side note, Gaylord Perry actually uh, offered his services to Vaseline as a pitch man. I'm going to come out. I'm going to tell I'm going to tell everybody use Vaseline. It's really good for everything. Uh, And they responded by we soothe babies, butts, not baseballs. So maybe he should have hit up KY Jelly instead. Offered his services there. They might have been more uh, more responsive in a positive (laughs) manner. Another guy that was uh, well-known for doctoring the baseball, but he kind of limited it, according to himself, was Whitey Ford. Uh, He pitched for 11 pennant-winning Yankees teams. Pitched from 1950 to 1967. Uh, He said, and I quote, I didn't cheat until later in my career when I needed something extra to survive. And then he wanted us to know also, he didn't cheat when he won 25 games in 1961. He said, I don't want anybody to get any ideas about taking away my Cy Young Award. And I didn't cheat in 1963 when I won 24 games. 
Well, maybe a little. He was uh, known for using baby oil, turpentine, and resin. He called this the gunk. So I don't know if it was actually flammable or not, but it could have been. I don't think it ever caught fire, but it's uh, it's dangerous when you got somebody like Ted Williams taking a hack at it or Mark McGuire. You know, they see smoke coming off the bat. Yeah, I saw uh, Whitey Ford also claims he would use his belt buckle and sometimes his yes. wedding ring as well to scuff that ball up. That's right. Or or even uh, catcher Elston Howard's shin guard. Yeah. He would <laughs> anything to doctor that sucker. We'll talk about scuffing here in a bit. Another guy I want to talk about is Art Fowler. Uh, Art Fowler uh, supposedly threw a spitball. He wanted people to think he was at least. He, he was part of a rotation, and he said to have taught the spitter to A's starters Mike Norris, Rick Langford, Steve McCaddy, Mike Keough, and Brian Kingman. That rotation completed 94 games in 159 starts in 1980. 94 complete games. I'll take it. The first year he was, uh, was coaching, the Oakland A's won 83 games, which was 29 more than the previous year. Again, there was all these rumors about Doctor in the baseball, and it drove people completely nuts. Okay, another Hall of Fame pitcher that won 300 games that was notorious for defacing baseballs, as it says, uh, Don Sutton. Don Sutton, uh, Thomas Boswell, a columnist, wrote, and he came up with this, uh, it was a columnist for the Washington Post, and he came up with the saying for Don Sutton, salvation through salivation. Uh, he was accused of cutting, scuffing, sandpapering, disfiguring. Uh, he said, I ought to get a Black & Decker commercial out of it. You know. And uh, another great quote is he said, the only fun I get now is hiding dirty notes in my uniform pockets for the umpires to find when they search me. I thought that was pretty <laughs> Yeah, I remember Sutton was nicknamed Black & Decker. And one time yes. after he was searched, he came out the next day with a tool belt on with a sander and all this stuff on it. <laughs> he was also nicknamed the mechanic because he was often covered with grease. So, yeah, he was. <laughs> uh, that's good. Here's somebody you may not have thought of that was a, a doctoring the ball kind of guy. Oral Hershiser. He When he came back from his 1991 shoulder surgery, he was accused of using a little bit extra to throw um, pitches as well as he did before the surgery. Uh, Davey Johnson was the guy that really accused him of it. It was uh, the 86, it was during the 86 controversies with Mike Scott, uh, who was accused of scuffing the ball, later admitted it. Uh, a lot of pitchers on the Astros, Dave Smith, and even the great Nolan Ryan were accused at the time of scuffing the ball, but nobody ever found them guilty or, or actually looked at uh, everything and said, yeah, you guys were scuffing. So as, I, as far as I'm concerned, there was no proof that the Astros were cheating that time. David Johnson was uh, manager of the Orioles in 97, and they faced Hershiser, who was on the Indians, and they were in the ALCS. And 39 years old, Hershiser shut them out for seven innings in game three. To quote Howard Johnson, who was pretty upset about it, I know from experience that Oral likes to put water on the back of his neck. He prefers to have the cover of the ball moist as opposed to dry and will get water wherever he can get it. He was going from his mouth right to the ball, and that's illegal. I wanted to point it out to them, and at least Oral was thinking about it. Apparently thinking about it and being accused is good enough. Oral's teammate, Chad OJ, uh, he said, I know, I've know i known Oral for three years, and he cheats. He showed me how to cheat. 
But he said, I can't do it until I'm about 35. When they went to oral with all this information, he just laughed it off. You know, nothing ever happened to him either. 2006, this is, this is a very, I mean, compared to uh, Preacher Rowe and the rest of them, this is a more recent event. Do you remember Kenny Rogers, Game 2, 06 World Series, and the cameras kept zooming in on this smudge he had on his hand? Brown yeah, smudge. it was his pitching hand too, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. The announcers were talking about it. The umpires got together and conferred, and they went out and said, you need to wipe that stuff off of your hand. So he didn't get tossed. He didn't get in trouble. It was uh, supposedly some combination of dirt and rosin or pine tar. And uh, he wiped all the stuff off of his hand and, of course, was not shelled, but uh, went on to throw eight scoreless innings in a Detroit win. At least he didn't beat up a cameraman and destroy his camera after that. He just <laughs> like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, well, he only had he only did that a few times, I think. Um, the umpire, Steve Palermo, said there was no formal request made about him being inspected. There was a noticeable dirt mark on his pitching hand. Uh, Rogers' teammate Todd Jones actually uh, came out and said, uh, and he wrote an article for the Sporting News, and he said, pine tar is no big deal to players. Everybody uses pine tar. It's almost a basic part of the game. Sandpaper and Vaseline, however, are looked at as cheating. And uh, Jones actually had a really, really good explanation for the brown weird spot on Roger's hand, he said, it could have been chocolate cake. <laughs> so I guess it could have been. Maybe if it anyway. was Hideki Arabu or somebody, you know, a, a larger <laughs> pitcher, but no. <laughs> no, it, it may have, who knows? Maybe they had a big celebration before. I don't know. I'm not one to question Todd Jones. I don't know why. That takes us on to another way to doctor the ball, which is scuffing. Scuffing allows you to get a really good grip with your fingers and actually allows uh, you to throw with a slower rotation, creating a similar effect as a spitball. So you can throw this thing. It has it, The goal is to get it, the scuff part not to move and stay on the inside. And it's going to create some kind of weird turbulence and force it to, to take off in one direction or another. So it's like a knuckleball, but again, throwing at higher speed. Some great scuffers of all time were Tommy John. 26 years in the majors, this guy. And um, some of it before, some of it after the whole elbow surgery. He was accused of scuffing over and over and over again. He was accused of doctoring the ball all the time. And I found this great quote from Tommy John. He said, he was asked, how many pitches do you have, Tommy? And he said, four basic ones. Fastball, curve, slider, and changeup, plus eight illegal ones. <laughs> well, fair enough. I hate to talk about this one, but uh, I did a little bit earlier. Mike Scott. Mike Scott was a known scuffer. Uh, he had uh, a pretty average first six years of his career all of a sudden in 1985 he just comes out as this ace this amazing pitcher and he's throwing what he called uh, what was called a fork ball or a split finger fastball that's what his improvement was oh he learned how to throw this split finger fastball and he's that's how he gets everybody out now new york's manager davy johnson of course who apparently doesn't really not like scuffing the ball, showed a report, uh, some reporters eight balls that were scuffed in exactly the same spot, a mark about the size of a 50-cent piece. And Doug Harvey, the home plate umpire, agreed with him that these were all scuffed in the same spot. Uh, Mike Scott said, of course, I didn't do that. But in 2011, he admitted to it. He said, I've thrown balls that were scuffed 
but I haven't scuffed every ball that I've thrown. <laughs> well, good for you, sweetheart. That's that's kind of you to not doctor every single ball. Uh, it's interesting to note that how big of a difference that one pitch made. He uh, won the Cy Young in 1986. His strikeout rate went from 5.6 strikeouts per nine inning to 10.0. So quite an improved uh, pitcher. And But was it nefarious? I'm not one to say. Uh, Joe Necro, we talked about this on another show, how he uh, he was uh, a knuckleballer, but he was known to possibly doctor the ball here and there. And was uh, he was asked by home plate umpire Tim Toshida to empty his pockets. And as he reached into his back pocket, he tossed something out of it. And it ended up being a, an emery board and some sandpaper. And, of course, the umpire saw it and said, dude, no, I don't think they said dude, but they tossed him out of the game. <laughs> of course, he was saying, I was using it to manicure my nails, the emery board, and uh, I was using the sandpaper for my blisters. I, I don't understand that practice. Would you sandpaper your blisters, Jeff? Me, I don't think so. But again, these are in his back pocket. He's standing on the mound. How is he going to use them? <laughs> I believe again, him. Great point. I believe him. There is no way you're standing on yeah. the mound in the middle of the, the diamond and you're, you're going to be able to get a file out of your back pocket and do something to the baseball. So I, I believe him. That's a great point, you know, and it, you may be onto something there. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about ADA, Jay Howell. So I found a great website, another great website that will be in the show notes. And this one has got video. And I really, I really found this video very interesting. The website is called Baseball Aerodynamics, the fluid dynamics of baseball pitches. And what happened wow. is they set up all these cameras, uh, you know, with a pitching machine and so forth. And so they just showed the flight from behind the, uh, the pitching machine of what a, a regular, I think it was a four seam fastball is what they were, were using. And it would basically go straight. Then they scuffed some balls and they scuffed it on one part of the baseball. They put it in there and you could you could watch the ball. It would go to the side that the scuff was on. Then they put it on the other wow. side and it would go to that side. I mean, it, and it was noticeably different, a break of two or three inches late wow. too. So it's right as it's getting to the batter, they look at it and think, okay, this is a fastball. And then all of a sudden it breaks at the last minute. The video on this is really cool. It's a really interesting website. Check that out and, and take a look at that video because that'll really show you what scuffing a baseball will do. Yeah, I remember actually. Do you remember Mike Scott's uh, split finger fastball? It was it was completely amazing. It just looked like a fastball, and then at the very last second, it would dive into the dirt, you know, and makes you wonder, you know, did was he cheating? Was he not? I mean, he said later he didn't doctor every baseball, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of an admission, as far as I'm concerned, that he was throwing with uh, while scuffing during the course of of the majority of his career, at least when he got good. You remember Brian Moeller yes. in the in, in the 90s uh, with Detroit? He got busted one time. He had sandpaper glued to his thumb in his in his <laughs> pitcher's mitt so he could take he'd take his hand out and he'd, you know, rub up the, the ball with both hands. But, you know, he'd be rubbing it with sandpaper. And then for me, I know when I was growing up, that was always how I thought people doctored. It was with just sandpaper and they could glue it somewhere. Right. I saw some guys would glue it on the inside of their mitts, just like, in, you know, in between the fingers or something. So they could kind of do it when they had the ball in their in their glove. I know I've talked about it before on this show. My favorite 
ever attempt at scuffing the baseball was Rick Hennicutt, who we know I don't have a lot of love for Rick Hennicutt because I couldn't stand him when he was on the A's. But Rick Hennicutt in 1980, when he was with the Mariners, decided he was going to scuff the ball with a thumbtack. So what did he do? He uh, he glued the thumbtack to his finger. I don't know why you do this. It had to have just been like the very end of it. Obviously not some like big blue handle with the thumbtack sticking out uh, of it. But he, he did that. And then uh, up on the mound, he wiped his forehead, wiped the sweat with said finger. <laughs> with with the sun. so instead of of instead of uh, scuffing the ball, he looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing the crimson mask there. After a minute, he is just covered in blood. Also, he was blading. Yeah, he's blading. By the way, the two batters he successfully did manage to scuff the ball against with that thumbtack, uh, both singled off of him. So Oops. did no good and just made him look like an idiot. It is interesting though, isn't it? How pine tar is looked upon as just nothing. Oh, every pitcher uses pine tar. I've told the story before when I worked in the, the clubhouse, how Mike Kingery came up and said, hey, can you go check this other pitcher out? If he's using pine tar, you know, he wanted me to go check his locker and stuff. He's using pine tar. We don't care. But if he's got some kind of slick substance, we want to know about it. So they, they really don't care about the pine tar. It's just, I mean, it's against the rules, but everybody still does. I don't, I won't say everybody, but most people, I think most pitchers still do it. Interesting little piece of baseball research. Uh, they actually say, and this is just, this is just a hypothesis that a sticky ball could actually help hitters. And the reason why is a sticky ball makes contact. If it makes contact with the top part of the bat, it's less likely to glance off as a foul ball. And it allows the hitter to swing under the ball a bit and put backspin on it which backspin, of course, makes the ball travel farther off the bat. So just one theory. Maybe it's not so bad for hitters after all. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Sure. You know, it's very, very timely with Trevor Bauer spouting off about all that. Yes. So forth. All right. Well, that is uh, the title of our, our show this week is Pitchers Don't Cheat. Because obviously. Of course not. Again, I, I was in a Twitter discussion, I will call it, with, uh, with an Astros fan and uh, they at one point sent me a tweet that said pitchers can't cheat. And uh, <laughs> I quickly took a screenshot of that because they quickly deleted it because that's obviously <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, all right. Let's head into our final segment of the show. Very excited. This is something different for us here. It is uh, time for everybody's favorite cardboard based gladiatorial combat. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull the Wax Pack Heroes. All right, Mark, you are on the cusp of uh, going back to back. You are on the leaderboard right now. You have 19 wins to my 12. We're playing to 20. So you could be back to back champions here uh, if you come up with one more win before I have eight. So it's looking good for you. Uh, What I'm excited about, though, is I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the first week where we are going to be using cards that were actually created in this century. We've got two packs of 2008 Upper Deck. There are only eight cards per pack here, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be quick. But there could be some uh, some artifacts or some autographed cards in here. So kind of exciting. Plus, we're going to get some players that we probably haven't talked about uh, recently. 
Now, uh, let's go over our rules. If this is your first time here, we're gonna take these out. We are going to score these based on the year of the card. So we're gonna be scoring uh, from 2008 using Baseball Reference War. If the player has a mustache, they're gonna get an extra 10th of a point of war. If it's a really good Wade Boggs, I guess, mustache, it's gonna be two tenths of a point. If they're wearing glasses of any sort, that means flip downs, it means shades, it means science teacher glasses, doesn't matter. Uh, reading glasses, like I'm, sure, I don't know why you'd be wearing reading glasses when you're playing, but we're gonna give you an extra 10th of a point if you are. Uh, also, if you have got a sweatband on that has your caricature, your jersey number, or a McDonald's logo, you're going to get extra tenth of a point. I'm not sure we're going to see much caricature sweatbands uh, in 2008. If you are wearing real stirrups that we can see, another thing we probably won't see a lot of, you're going to get extra tenth of a point of war. But if you are wearing the two-in-ones, we're going to minus a tenth of a point because that's not a, not a smart fashion choice. And... Uh, <laughs> Finally, if you are a Hall of Famer, we're going to give you a whole extra point of war. So, Mark, I've got these two packs here. I'm going to let you decide if you would want the one in my left hand or my right hand. Okay, question for you. You said 06, but then you said 08. Which I'm is sorry. It? It's, it is 08. 08, 08. Wait. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you didn't say 06. Maybe I'm just a doofus. Well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Distinct possibility. Okay, so 06, because um, if it was 08, I'd pick a different one. But I'm going to go with the right. It's You're going to go lucky for me. Go with the right hand. All right. So I'm going to put mine down. I'm going to have you go first. And uh, this is very exciting. We're looking at the first 2000s pack that we've ever opened here on Wax Packs Heroes. Now, let's very see exciting. if I can figure out how to open these. These are sealed a lot better than we're used to. <laughs> they don't just have the wax, which has been opened. And we close. Yeah, now this is very interesting because these are players that we have not discussed for the most part on this show, at least during this segment. Uh, yep. Like this one, we are going to start with uh, second baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Orlando Hudson. Orlando Hudson. Um, remember a little bit about him. He's um, not a huge guy, but he was bigger than most uh, middle infielders, I think. Six foot, but yeah. only 185. So kind of a okay. skinny. One of the many players nicknamed O-Dog. Kind of a common nickname. Uh, let's yeah, see. Um, he was an all-star a couple times. Uh, two times. In 2007 and 2009, but not in 2008. So uh, let's okay. see here. In 2008, he slashed 305, 367, 450 for an OPS plus of 108. Uh, it looks like he played most of the year. And all of that equates to a war of 2.1. These I'll are some good-looking good looking cards, too, by the way, <laughs> compared to what we're usually looking at. Um, there is nothing, though, on this card that is going to get you anything extra because he's got his pants pulled all the way down over the heel of his shoe. No mustache, no shoe, uh, no, uh, no glasses, no sweatbands. Well, he's not much of a dresser, but at least he could hit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that will get you a 2.1 to start out with. Uh, not bad. Real quickly, um, four-time gold glove winner, by the way. That doesn't help you at all. I just wanted you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next, you've got pitcher for the San Diego Padres. It's Jake Peavy. Yeah, I remember. Why am I thinking the Indians with Peavy? That's uh, weird. I think uh, he was on the Red Sox as well. And maybe the Giants? Uh, let's see. Jake Peavy uh, pitched for 15 years in the big leagues. Most of it with San Diego. White Sox for five, Giants and, and Red Sox, as I mentioned. In 2008, let's see. First of all, he won a Cy Young Award 
I don't wow. really remember that. He also won the pitching triple crown. All of those in the 2007. So you just missed <laughs> a huge year. In 2007, he went 19 and 6 with a 2.54 ERA and led the league with 240 strikeouts. Wow. Uh, not bad, but 2008, he went 10 and 11. Again, Thanks. with a 2.85 ERA, not that bad. Missed a couple of starts, 166 strikeouts, and that equates to a war 4.0. So not bad, 4.0. The year before when he won the Cy and the Triple Crown, it was 6.2. But wow. uh, nothing else on this card is going to get you anything, but a 4.0 is is nothing to spit at. I'm just going to keep saying that. Next, oh boy, this guy I've got stories about. Nickname was Every Day. Oh, Every Day Eddie? There you go, Every Day Eddie Gordado. One thing I'll say about Eddie, he uh, pitched a lot. Yes, well, every day. If he <laughs> every day, Eddie. Did he ever start a game? Let's see. Early in his career as a yeah, starter. Yeah, he came up as a starter in 93, started 16. He started 25 in his career, all of which were in the first three years. His fourth year in the big leagues, he led, the, he led baseball in games appeared in with 83. And then in 2002, he led the league in saves with 45. 2008, he split time between the Rangers and the Twins. This was the second to last uh, season of his career. All of that equates to a war of 0.7. Let's see, on the card, he's got a mustache. So you're going to get a 0.8 out of that. Well, it's better than a sharp stick in the eye, I guess. We mentioned this too, uh, Eddie Gordado, uh, his oldest son, Nico, was a member of the cast of the 2020 reboot of Party of Five. Hmm. All right, next, oh, look at this. You've got a legacy card. Oh, let's hear it for legacy. Yeah, and, and it's a Yankee too. So, I mean, that just really works well for you. It's Earl Coombs. I'm a, I'm a baseball history guy and I, and I can't place him. So Earl Coombs was nicknamed the Kentucky Colonel. You'll never guess where he was born. I'm going to guess Toledo, Ohio. There you go. Right on the nose. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're lucky here because he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Because obviously he didn't play in 2008, so you don't get any war there. There's no mustache. Uh, Surprisingly enough, no uh, corporate logos on sweatbands or sunglasses or anything. But uh, Earl Coombs played for 12 years, all of which were in the Yankees. He was on those Bronx Bomber teams. Mm. And check this out. Led the league in triples four, uh, three out of four years from 27 to 30. So wow. he was a speed guy that would, uh, the center fielder for the Yankees, he'd get on base and you know, let uh, Gehrig and Ruth and all those guys knock him in. Hall of Fame, as I mentioned, he won three World Series with the Yankees, hit 375 over those four World Series. That's, uh, that's pretty good from what I hear. Yeah. Inducted in say. 1970. Very huh. nice. What? I wasn't expecting that particular card. No, I, I, I know we've never we've never pulled a player from the twenties, so that's uh, oh. that's good to know. The Kentucky Colonel Coombs was known as a gentleman on and off the field. I'm sure he was. Let's see. Uh, legendary manager Miller Huggins once said, "If you had nine Coombs on your ball club, you could go to bed every night and sleep like a baby." <laughs> All right, so that takes you up to seven point nine. 
Uh, next, we've got a guy I vaguely remember. Her, I, uh, I guess not vaguely. I think I remember him more with the Brewers. Yeah, this was his first year not on the Brewers. It is uh, outfielder Jeff Jenkins. Jeff Jenkins. Geoff Jenkins. Oh, Geoff. Yes, that kind of Jeff. <laughs> Would you say he spells it wrong? Yes, he does. In fact, Baseball Reference even has a pronunciation for his first name, uh, J-E-F-F. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 11 years in the big leagues, the first 10 with Milwaukee, and then this final year of his career with the Phillies, he was a regular his entire career, including 2008, where he started or appeared in 115 games. Uh, ended up with an OPS plus of 79. Wow, he had uh, he had a run here of 20 plus home runs in. Yes, he did. Six, seven out of his uh, seven out of his 11 years, he had 20 plus home runs. I'm going to guess he got injured at some point. Uh, his final year here, though, he had a WAR of minus point two, and there is nothing on this card. It looks like he's got a goatee, but no. Uh, no mustache, unfortunately, for you. So that's just going to be a minus point two. Great. I couldn't get him during one of his big home run years. Oh, well. <laughs> All right. You've got two cards left. Like I said, there's, uh, or I'm sorry, three cards left. Like I said, there's only eight per pack here. You have got a catcher. Here he is with the Mets. I remember him from the Expos a lot, having worked for the Braves in the uh, 2000s. Brian Schneider. I remember Brian Schneider because I went to school with a guy named Brian Schneider and I found it weird at the time. Let's see. He was a longtime member of the, I guess now Nationals franchise. First five years were with Montreal and then the next three were with the Washington Nationals. In 2008, his first year, he was with the Mets. Um, he was uh, probably their everyday starter in 88 OPS plus. Nothing great there. And that equates to a war of 0.3. Nothing on this card is going to get you anything else. I think our rules are really kind of uh, aimed towards the 80s and 90s players in terms of <laughs> additional so, yeah. scoring points. Uh, but Brian Schneider, that'll bring you up to a total of eight even. He was nicknamed Hoops. Um, okay. I don't know why. It doesn't say anything about whether he played basketball or not. But uh, he was nicknamed Hoops. Those are the type of earrings he wore. Yeah, possibly. Currently lives in Jupiter, Florida with their dog, Rookie. Nice. All right. Your second to last card is a guy I do not remember. It's a rookie card. Here he is with the Bucks. It is Evan Meek. No clue, man. Yeah, let's Evan see. Meek. Let's see if he had much of a, of a career. Let's see. He Six years in the big leagues. He did appear in 2008, only in nine games. Ended up with an ERA plus of 62. And that equates to a war of minus point two. Nothing. Yeah, I saw that coming. Nothing's going to get you. Everybody's got their darn pants pulled down, you know, over their shoes. So we're we're getting no stirrup points, no mustaches at this point. Goatees were kind of big, but no mustaches, and nobody really wore the sweatbands that are going to get you any anything here. So that takes you down to seven point eight. Oh, here's something for Evan Meek. Gave up Derek Jeter's final hit at Yankee Stadium. Oh, there you go. A place in history. Yeah, and he also played in the KBO for the Kia Tigers. Oh, that's cool. All right. Your last card is, well, this is somebody that we have definitely heard of. Now, I am not a fan of him. Uh, he claims to be an old school guy. I think he's just a jerk. Tory Hunter. <laughs> yeah, Tory Hunter, uh, amazing defensive outfielder. 
I've seen him. I mean, we've all seen videos of him stealing home runs and stuff like that. Um, numerous times an all-star gold gloves every year. Nine gold gloves. Yeah. In his wow. uh, 19 years, nine gold gloves. Uh, most of it with Minnesota. I think that's what everybody thinks of. 12 years with Minnesota. Yes. A couple of years in Detroit. Five years in uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Let's see. In 2008 was his first year in L.A. Ended up with an OPS plus of 111. He hit 21 home runs that year. He had really good power for a center fielder. Uh, also yeah. could steal some bases. 2008, that is a war of 3.5, and he has got some sunglasses on here. So you're going to hey, get something. a 3.6 there, and that will bring your grand total up to 11.4. Okay. And eight cards, eh, I think that's kind of average. Yeah, it's not it, You missed out on a lot of points, like I said. These were, uh, these were a lot of... A lot of bonuses that I think are specific to the actual packs we usually open up. There you go. So you are at 11.4, and uh, I'm going to try to stave off what I feel is the inevitable here and see if I can keep you from clinching on Star Wars Day. <laughs> now, I'm just telling you, I think I've got an artifact card in here because there's a real thick card in the middle. Ooh. Ooh. So, is that yeah. bonus points? Uh, well, if it's a, if it's stirrups, sunglasses, or sweatband, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I am going to start off with, oh, I love this guy, and I've, I've got some stories that I can't tell on this podcast that were relayed to me while working at the Braves. His nickname was The Bat. Okay. Any Does that ring any bells? It does not. Pat The Bat Burl. Oh, man. I sort of remember Pat Burrell. I always called him Pat Burrell. I guess that's wrong. <laughs> All right. So Pat Burrell, uh, let's see, uh, 12 years in the big leagues, most of it with Philly, ended up in Tampa Bay and San Francisco. 2008, uh, two times uh, World Series winner. I did not think about that. Once with the Phillies in 2008, and then he was on the 2010 Giants that also won the World Series. In 2008, uh, he had 33 home runs, PS plus of 125, and that equals a 2.4 war. Nothing else on this card is going to get me anything. So you're you're ahead of me as far as per card war. <laughs> One card in, yes. <laughs> yes. So Burrell went to the University of Miami where he won the Golden Spikes Award. That's the big award in college baseball in 1998. And then he was the first overall draft pick by the Philadelphia Phillies. Spent a couple years in the minors, came up, and uh, always had a big bat. Also uh, famous for uh, giving balls to particular fans in the stands with his uh, phone or room number on it. Nice. <laughs> All right, next I've got an Oakland A's pitcher. Uh, his nickname was Baby Cakes. Now, I'm not sure if anybody outside of the A's fandom is going to know this one or not. He was still pitching just a year or two ago. He might still be kicking around somewhere. Uh, Joe Blanton. Oh, yeah, Blanton. Um, yeah, he was pitching recently now that I think about it. It looks like last uh, last appeared in the big leagues in 2017. Okay. But uh, in 2008, he started the year with the A's, went 5-12, and 12, and then was traded to the Phillies for their stretch run where they won the World Series and went 4-0. and 0. So <laughs> that helps. I remember he was awful. I was surprised they got anything for him. Uh, huh. Let's see. That 
equates to a war of 0.3. He does have real stirrups on, pulled all the way up to his knees, so that'll get me a 0.4 there. All right, next, uh, I've got a pitcher for the Yankees. I remember this. Uh, one of the few, uh, one of the few, one of the first Taiwanese players in the big leagues, Chin Ming Wong. Sure, I remember Chin Ming Wong. Couldn't tell you a whole lot about him, but I remember it was a big deal that uh, we had a Taiwanese player in the big leagues. Yeah, so Chin Ming, let's see, kind of a big guy, 6'4", 225, first appeared in the big leagues in 2005. 2006, he led the league in wins with 19. 2007, wow. he equaled that with another 19-win season. 2008 is what we're looking at, though. He was injured, only started 15 games, won 8-2, though. ERA plus of 105, and that equates to a war of 2.0. Nothing else is going to help me on that card, but I'll take a 2.0. That takes me up to 4.8. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit behind, but now we have got... A actual relic card. Really? It is uh, it's a USA baseball card. I'm gonna assume it's part of his jersey because he's wearing a he's wearing a blue USA team jersey there. It could be his stirrups. Uh, it is it is definitely it's not uh, not stirrup material. But I have not heard of this guy, Nick Morande. Hmm. Team USA, huh? Yeah. It sounds familiar, but I'm not really positive why. So Nick Morande was in the uh, Los Angeles Angels system. He was in the big leagues for three years, appeared in 33 games, um, never got a decision, (laughs) never started, and uh, did not appear until 2012. So he's on, actually, this is a junior USA team. So actually, this is really, uh, really young. Uh, maybe I should give myself five points for, you know, national pride on the U.S. team. I, I was going to say that obviously this is not something we can throw in now. Maybe we should do points for relics and autographs, you know, <laughs> if we're going to do the later cards. Well, these were a lot more expensive than what I get the wax packs for, so we'll have to see about that. Uh, but, yeah, nothing. Uh, actually, nothing, it's going to give me nothing uh, on that one. All right. Next, we're going to go. I've got outfielder for the Blue Jays. It's Reed Johnson. Sounds familiar again, but. All right, so Reed Johnson uh, played for 13 years in the big leagues. Now, if you would have asked me how long he played, I would have said three, four years? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 13 years in the big leagues, five with Toronto, then the Cubs, Atlanta, L.A., Nationals, and finally the Marlins. In 2008 was his first season in Chicago. Not a bad season here. Uh, Slash 303, 358, 420. OPS plus of 98, so just about average. That will get me a war of 0.9, and uh, there's nothing there on his uh, on his card that's going to get me anything else. That'll take me up to 5.7 with just a couple of cards left. Uh, Reed Johnson, one of those guys that did not mind getting on base by taking one for the team. In, uh, in 1,320 games, he got hit 134 times. Including, he led the league in 2006 with 21. Nice. His first six seasons in the big leagues, he was in double figures in hit-by-pitches every year. (laughs) Nice. Good for him. All right, next, we got a guy that played a very, very long time. Shortstop here for the Detroit Tigers, Edgar Renteria. Yeah, he did play for a long time. Five-time All-Star in his career. Won two World Series, including an MVP. 
in the World Series. I think that was when he was with the Marlins. Is that right? No, actually, it was when he was with the Giants in 2010. 97, he was with the Marlins when they beat Cleveland. But in 2010, when the Giants beat the Rangers, he hit 412. His OPS was 1.209. He had two home runs, six RBIs. And uh, yeah, that's that's, uh, pretty good there for Edgar. None of that's really going to help me a whole lot, though. In uh, 2008, it was his first and only year with Detroit. And uh, his OPS Plus was only 84. Again, not going to help me out a whole lot. That is a war of 1.1. And uh, nothing on that card is going to help me out in any way, shape, or form. Now, Edgar Renteria, by the way, a solid defensive shortstop. The nickname was the Barranquilla Baby. Because he's from Barranquilla. I get it. I guess so, yeah. Born in Barranquilla, Colombia. All right, so I'm at 6.8, and I only have two cards left. So I think currently they are uh, draping your uh, locker room with with plastic (laughs) and rolling the coolers of champagne in and getting the shirts ready to hand out. Um, Well, this would uh, could have been a great card, really could have been a great card. Here he is with the New York Mets. It is a pitcher that had just some dominant years and then just lost it. It is Johan Santana. Yeah, he boy, he was good. When he was good, he was something else. Uh, I think Santana was was originally on the path for for the Hall of Fame, but I, I think he must have gotten injured. Uh, only he was for a few years, yeah, yeah, for twelve years in the big leagues. But you look at the, the the years, especially when he was in Minnesota, and it is just littered with black ink. Two Cy Young Award winning years in two thousand and four and two thousand and six. Led the league in whip for four years in a row. Led the league in strikeouts for three years in a row. Led the league in ERA. I I mean, this guy was just as dominant as it gets. In 2008, he went 16-7. and Led the league in uh, ERA as well as innings pitched. And that equates to a 166 ERA plus. Came in third in the Cy voting that year. And that equates to a war of 7.1. He's got that goatee going on with the mustache. So that's going to actually get me a 7.2. And just as I was saying that it's over, I have now leapfrogged you and I'm in (laughs) command with 14 even. So Santana has pitched you a a gem. Yeah, don't don't uh, don't sell. Don't pop that, you know, that, that champagne just yet. Just get it out of the locker room now. Yeah, now they're frantically tearing down everything. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sexual battery. <laughs> oh, great. He threw the first no-hitter in Mets history, didn't he? It was, was the it? the Mets and the Padres were the only teams with no-hitters. Here, Yeah, the first no-hitter in Mets franchise history coming after 8,020 regular season games. My gosh. Yeah, believe it or not, he was named the National League Player of the Year that, or uh, Player of the Week that week. <laughs> huh. Yeah. All right, so there you have it. Thank you, Johan. That's a, that's a big card for me. I, I've staved off the inevitable, oh. I believe. And then my last card is Cleveland pitcher Joe Borowski. Sounds familiar. Actually, I remember him, I just remember him playing for a few different teams. Yeah, so Borowski played for 12 years, five of which were with the Cubs, and then a just a slew of clubs for just a year or two. In 2007, he led the league with 45 saves for Cleveland. The next wow. year, he got hurt, 
went one and three, only pitched in 16 and two thirds innings. And then that was it for his career. Uh, He was 37 at that time. But unless he's got a minus war of three, I'm I'm okay. It's actually a minus war of 0.7. Nothing else is going to get me anything there. But that will take me to a final of 13.3, which last I checked is greater than 11.4. So I have somehow snatched from defeat. I have I've come back to win my I've come back to win and, and stay alive to fight another day. That takes me to 13 wins versus your 19. I'm, I, I, I sense a large comeback here. I'm, I'm on my way. You never count your chickens until they hatch, and you never hatch at your counts before they chicken. No, but I'm, I'm very excited. We got our first relic, although it was worth yeah. absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, and he hasn't gone on to do much. I was going to say, if we can get some of these that are worth anything, we'll, gi- we'll do some giveaways of these things. But um, sure. yeah. I, I don't know if, if anybody wants a uh, Nick Miranda Morande. I don't even know how to say his name, and I apologize. But uh, if you want that relic card, let me know. Uh, if you know Maybe his, his family, yes, I was going to say, if you know him or his family, uh, <laughs> let me know. We will uh, we'll get that along. All right, so that's going to wrap up another episode of Wax Packs Heroes, and that's going to also wrap up show number 115. That wow. is uh, incredible. Two years ago, we were on show like 12 at this point, so... Uh, that's incredible to think we've been doing this that long, but we want to thank yeah. all of our listeners. We really do appreciate it. We've had a bunch of new listeners, uh, new people get a hold of us via uh, social media, and we appreciate that. Welcome, and we hope you've enjoyed it, and we hope you'll stick around for more. If you do want to talk to us, we are on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. You can find us on uh, YouTube. We are uh, streaming these podcasts live on Twitch when we record them. So if you want to see how many times uh, we make mistakes and they get edited out, uh, how many uh, of Mark's dad jokes, you know, might be edited out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a few. There will be more. How many times we have to stop because one of our dogs barks or a car goes by. <laughs> this is the place to do it. Watch us on Twitch. You can find the links to all of these things in the show notes. Plus, Mark, they can get a hold of us via electronic mail as well. Yeah. Send us an email. It's a two strike noise. Spell it out. Just like uh, Jeff was saying to TWO strike noise at gmail.com. All right. So uh, thank everybody once again. And uh, I think we'll, well, I know we will both be back here next week. Hopefully you will too on another episode of two strike noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.